Hello and welcome back to Casting Nets Podcast. I am joined here with the very elusive Pastor Winsberger, who has been traveling and he has been busy doing ministry. And by the grace of technology gifted to us by um, those who are far smarter than me, I am able to, to reach out and we are able to, to join you today for a continuation of our Bible study. Uh, they haven't heard your voice in some time, dear Don. How blessed are they? <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I think we have a lot of people who love your, your voice and love your opinions um, as you have richly provided them over over our course of our podcasts together. But we are uh, jumping back into Philippians chapter 2. Um, before we do that, uh, just a, a brief reminder that the, the views and the opinions that we share are our own. They are not necessarily the views and the opinions of our called church bodies in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. We do attempt to always lift up uh, the cross of Christ and the confessions to which we hold dear. And so without further ado, let us jump on into our study. We'll have a little bit of music and uh, and sort of break down Philippians chapter 2. Well, what have you been up to since uh, last time we've had opportunity to speak? Oh, I've been had a chance to be traveling throughout the Midwest. I uh, was in Chicago last week uh, uh, to pick up my daughter who finished uh, uh, finished her first year of college at the School of the Arts Institute in Chicago. Uh, traveled uh, through uh, traveled through Wisconsin to New Ulm in Minnesota to Martin Luther College and went to uh, uh, attend the graduation of, uh, of our nephew, Noah Satorius, a senior at uh, Martin Luther College, who's going on to seminary next year. Uh, and then uh, found our way back home Sunday night. And uh, so as I was, as I was telling, my, telling my wife and daughter uh, to, to capsulize our trip if in, and again, remember that my viewpoints don't express the viewpoints of Pastor Harley or of our calling bodies. Uh, we tra- traveled to Chicago, which I consider to be communist Russia. We traveled through the state of Wisconsin, which I consider to be Czechoslovakia. We went through Minnesota, which I considered to be East Germany. And now I'm back in South Dakota. We'll call that free America, the land of the home, the land of the free and the home of the brave. I was going to say you could encapsulate your entire trip with the one word harmony. <laughs> yeah, you know, it would be really hard to come with harmony out of that. But, you know, I would a nice introduction to, to, to Philippians chapter two, which is just so beautiful because it's got probably one of the if one of the first Christian creeds in it um, in, in Philippians chapter two. We get to hear it on. Uh, we get to hear this uh, lesson on Palm Sunday. It's such a fixture and so much. And we see wording of it in the Apostles Creed and the Nicene Creed and so forth. Uh, but uh, the whole chapter, you know, if you want to talk about harmony, it yet yeah, deals with harmony um, 
in it, but I, I, I also think about too, when before you even were born, there was a talk about the, there was a me generation, me, 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 one that's focused totally on me. And you know something, that was one I always had a problem with because really the me generation is a, is a, is an encapsulation or a definition for um, every human being's sinful nature. Every, it's, every human being's sinful nature says me, 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 me. And Paul in Philippians chapter two actually puts that into wonderful, godly, Christian, biblical perspective. Well, I mean, and and really, he he frames it out because he started talking about that framework of harmony and and the framework of 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 being together in chapter one, right? In chapter one, he began with that with that whole well in in the very beginning in chapter or verse three of chapter one that he was praying for all of them and the, their fellowship that they had. So we we already got this idea of of unity of 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 group together but now he's flushing out that idea of what kind of enjoyment is there right and and encouragement can we gain from this unity that we have in faith um and he begins it with 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 an encouragement that's not rooted in as you said the me it's not rooted in in what i bring to the table but it's rooted in what christ brings on our behalf and, and i think that's really a focus our our uh our synod's non-worker training college prides itself in training servant leaders, Wisconsin Lutheran College. Uh, that term servant leader really is, it is a, it's a beautiful scriptural term. And really we see that term servant leader perfectly fulfilled in Jesus. Uh, I can't help but it, again, thinking of Philippians chapter two without thinking about the very words of Jesus. When he said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, you know, this was one of the problems that the Greeks, and I think this is something that Paul had in mind too, as he was writing this letter to the Philippians who, who were just immersed in, in Greek culture, and many of them had such a Greek background, one of the biggest obstacles to the Christian faith was that that Jesus did not fit the picture of what a Gentile Greek slash Roman citizen would picture of a god. Okay, um, he Jesus was by a Roman slash Greek Gentile was perceived to be weak a, without with again this isn't a politically correct term a pansy um leadership ha 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 um he didn't you know a, 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 these people a, a, a gentile an unbeliever would look at this and say this this is one of your gods compare him to our roman and greek gods what a wimp um, there's nothing that he showed, nothing that to, to show divinity or power, or or whatever. And but this is really this is really one of the mysteries, one of the beautiful mysteries of the Christian Church and what leadership, and what what God is like and what leadership is like. 
Well, and and even in you know linking back to the Greek and in Roman culture, you know, they hated what flesh brought. Right, the the highest thing to obtain is some type of a spiritual enlightenment, and yet what what we have in the Christian faith is God loves us, Christ loves us so much that he he gave off that to embody us. Right, um, he, or, he he took us on. Um, my esteemed district president in your former district president loves to use this term, uh, the fleshy Christ. Right. Um, and you know what? That term, when you think about it, is something that really differentiates Bible-believing, biblical, confessional Lutherans from the whole spectrum of, uh, of denominations. Because every other denomination other than Lutherans, in some way, shape, or form, abhors the fleshy Christ. And what I mean by that for our listeners who might not be following my train of thought is is, uh, you have the Reformed who don't believe that Jesus' body and blood are present in the sacrament. They abhor that. They call it an abomination. Um, Roman Catholics at least cling to that, but in the same manner, they abhor things of the flesh. They consider uh, an unnatural celibate lifestyle to be preferable and more spiritual um to to a to a life uh, of uh, to a, to a life of uh, uh sexual fulfillment within the bonds of marriage that God ordained from the garden of Eden absolutely absolutely and and so this fleshy Christ really is only acceptable and and it, and it is what scripture teaches very clearly, but it is abhorrent to most of Christianity. Well, and and I think it it comes from it comes from this idea that's ingrained in us that that God is better than us, right? And and there there is truth to that that God is, uh, He is perfect, He is holy. But what we fail to realize is that that we have a God who loves unmerited. Um, by us, he loves us to the extent that he is willing to move heaven and earth to make that known and happen. Um, I like how chapter two starts, and I, I want to get to to the part where we've been talking about. But I, I want I like how chapter two starts, just in the sense where it says uh, he talks about encouragement. He finds Paul is is highlighting the encouragement we have, and he focuses directly on what we're talking about. It's encouragement in Christ. And then he goes, and if, so you have this conditional statement he starts, and he's going to have a bunch of them that are in a row. If any uh, uh, any comfort from his love, right? So if you're going to have any comfort, it comes from Christ's love. If you have any fellowship, this unity that we're going to be having, it comes from the Spirit. If any affection, any compassion, um, all centered in Christ— producing this like-minded nature. But then he's going to go on, and he's going to say what we've been talking about. He's going to say, okay, now where does this come from? It comes from an attitude that was first shown to us in Christ, right? It comes from an attitude that was first found itself in Jesus. And what is the attitude? The attitude, as we've been saying it, is found in verse 6, the uh, verse 7, actually. The attitude of emptying himself. The attitude of not, not deeming himself and saying me 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 me, but but emptying himself for us. 
and and really this i this is this is really paul's take on jesus high priestly prayer father may they be one as you and i are one absolutely and the only reason and the only way that that can be is through christ yes um, and so, so he's he's he brings us back. He says, "Okay, you want all of these things, and and maybe this is the this is the 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 conversation we can have um, in today's society because we're all trying to find. It seems like today's society is losing their mind trying to find their place. Right? Uh, where am I in this grand scheme of the world? And what's fair? What's not fair? Uh, where's joy? Where where can I find it? Where can I find peace? Where can I find comfort? And and Jesus." answers this um, through the pen of Paul as he points back to Christ and he says, here it is. Um, you want unity? It's in the church. Um, oddly enough, the very thing that, that we've relegated to our TV screens on Sundays uh, or the very thing that we, we have gone uh, out of the practice of actually attending because of pandemic or whatever the reason, that is where you'll find community. You'll find community centered around the very body and blood of the one who gave his body and blood for you. You're going to find community around uh, the words of the one who emptied himself for you. Um, oddly enough, you're going to find community in the very one who took on your flesh to be your fleshy God um, and give himself for you. And, and I think there's a, some, there's a, a, a profound lesson in that for us that, that you know we're not worshiping this God who's up in the ether somewhere, but, but is walking with us. And, and knows what it is like to be us um, and has lived our life for us perfectly and gave his life innocently. Um, and I, that there's an important connection, I think, between all that. Yes. You know, uh, one of the things in, in studying this over the years is, uh, and it's just something that's intrigued me, that uh, this section that we're talking about with Jesus, let this attitude be in you, though he was by nature God, born in human likeness, humbled himself, became obedient. There, uh, God exalted him. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I've just summarized there. It's not the whole text by, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, this is most likely one of the first creeds uh, confe uh, confessed in the in the Christian Church, even predating the Apostles' Creed, which was you know uh, 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 which with what we have today, and it seemed to be that was something that I don't like to use the term, but evolved or progressed or was compiled over over uh, over centuries in the early Christian Church to to what we have it today. Every church had a confession that they wanted to give, but one of the first was Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, that seemed to be a standard confection, and, and it's also interesting to note how closely that mir mirrored, how, how, how closely that mirrored um, the Old Testament creed said by every Jew every day, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Um, and then you hear this very basic creed similar, Jesus Christ is Lord, that um, uh, the very same Lord that was confessed in the Old Testament is revealed in Jesus Christ. And then, then Paul really takes that and just pulls and, and just really unfolds this whole thing for us. 
Well, and and this is the beauty, and and I think, you know, true Lutherans allow the paradoxes to stand, right, in the scriptures. Um, We don't try to explain them away. We allow them to stand in the beauty that they are. And and I think what you're what you're trying to describe here, and so 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 difficult it is for us to word it is, is we see the Trinity at play, and we try to wrap our head around it. Um, we see the Son, who is his by the very nature, he is God, and yet he finds equality with God. That means his equal footing with his Father, not to be something that he's going to lord over us, but something he's willing to put aside for a time, to come for us. Uh, and to rescue us. Um, and so we see this this whole, in, in a very brief paragraph, relatively brief paragraph, we have such an intricacy of the Trinity and an intricacy of Christology played out um, by the Holy Spirit through the pen of Paul. And in many, t- in many cases, you look at it and say, this doesn't make any sense, right? Um, because this is so counter to what we would do. And so it doesn't make sense. Okay, he is he is equal to God. He is God himself, and yet he gave that up for a time to come for us. That doesn't make sense. He 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 became human like us. Doesn't make sense. Our appearance doesn't make sense. Um, was obedient. Well, he's the ruler of all. I mean, if we had the power to 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 do and say and and act in any way, would we be obedient to someone else? Um, but no, he was, and and he even dies when he doesn't have to. Uh, it, it's so countercultural to us. Um, but a beautiful confession, like you said, an early an early creed of many it's, sorts. It's interesting to note that the Jehovah's Witnesses who aren't Christian and deny the divinity of Jesus. Uh, uh, it's the the explanational somersaults the gymnastics that they, that, I mean, even in their own translation of the Bible, how they just butcher this to, to, to take away Jesus divinity, which is so clearly expressed here. Um, we're basically, we're given in, in this, we're, we're given a glimpse really into the heart of God, aren't we? Um, uh, you know, really we're given a, we're given a glimpse into uh, a, a heartfelt glimpse into John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world. The extent that God went to to uh, 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 the things that he, the, the things that God put aside, the things that he deprived himself of to save sinful mankind. Um, once again, and it's those things that uh, uh, that unbelievers in this world look at and say, "That's not my picture of of God." How many times do we hear? Have you heard people say, um, um, "If that uh, uh, that that either that's not the God I want, or if that's how God is, I want nothing to do with Him." Um, you know, really, when it comes down to it, when it comes down to what the Bible says, Christ is. That's where all that's where basically all the divisions within Christianity come. Well, you know, and it was it was C.S. Lewis who once coined the phrase that that no matter what you do, you have to come to terms with Christ. Um, and and it wasn't a longer concept. Uh, he in mere Christianity, he would write 
that it would lead up to you either have to see him as liar, lunatic, or lord. Um, but no matter what you do, you you have to come to terms with with who he is. Um, and and I think that's you know the scriptures are very very clear as to who Christ is. Um, very very clear in the proclamation of the Trinity and how the Trinity works for us outside of our own reason. Um, but I but I think you know Paul so beautifully front loads what we're going to see by telling what we are. Um, you know, just before that whole section between verses five and, and eleven, you know, what does Paul say in verse three? Do not uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty conceit. He then goes, but in, in humility consider one another better than yourself. He's he's preloading the whole conversation that's coming up, isn't he? I mean, the whole conversation he's coming up is he's going to say, okay, you know what? Um, the very pinnacle of what I'm asking of you as a Christian is seen in the very Lord and Godhead as they play it out for you in time. Um, beautiful, beautiful preloading of saying, you know, you want a, you want a good role model? Don't look to the sports star on, on the Wheaties box. Um, and don't don't flip on your TV and, and look at the senators or or um, president and co-president or the movie stars or right or the movie stars getting a completely different picture. You know, I have used this section so much. Uh, uh, I always come to this in in uh, pre- preparing couples for marriage. Um, usually, I always direct this to the husband, um, uh, especially out. Again, it it seems to be I find more if you want to call male dictatorial attitudes in the area where I'm serving right now, um, and so it's something. Uh, once again, uh, uh, you know, you find a uh, you get you deal with the whole thing of leadership, uh, a headship, and submission. Um, and I take and I and I take this at you know, okay, so husbands, you are the head of the home, but what does that mean? It doesn't mean you're the dictator. It doesn't mean that you unilaterally call all the shots. What it means is that as a servant leader, you put the needs of your wife and your family ahead of your own sinful nature. Um, Jesus didn't have a sinful nature to deal with, so that made made things a, a whole lot e- a bit easier for him. It still doesn't mean it wasn't wasn't easy. Um, but, it, but at the same time here, uh, I w- I was reading something, where did I read this the other day? And it's sometimes, it's sometimes, you know, you can catch just even on the internet, you can get a, a, a good co- glimpse of common sense and it's not coming from a Christian source. Um, but it was just a, a, a list of five things telling a wife how she can tell that her husband, that her husband loves her. And you know what? It was really all the things that was it was common sense things. It was almost like reading Philippians chapter two, where where God um, has already said, "Here are good qualities you should have." Yes, and uh, um, you know where 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 you're dealing where you're dealing with respect. Um, you're de- you know not only with respect uh, respect for the person, respect for the feelings. Um, consideration, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
uh, one of the things is, you know, I mean, you know, in script and even Paul talks about it in Ephesians chapter five, he died for you. Um, this is, this is stuff, you know, where you, where you put the needs of your spouse uh, ahead of your own. Um, and once again, that is a constant battle because the sinful nature says me, 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 me. Um, and, uh, and, and we're, we're, when marriages suffer, when they're not, if they're not doing well, if they're miserable, usually it always comes back to because it's, if it's not one, it's always, nobody's, hus neither husbands or wives are perfect with this, but it always comes down to how does this, how is this affecting me? How is it affecting me? Right. When, when you in any relationship that you're in start focusing inward instead of outward, then, then you know that there's there's a problem that's going to be coming up in that relationship. Um, when when we start saying to ourselves, "Well, I don't have to do this because so and so isn't upholding their end of the bargain," that's the wrong. You're you're heading down a very wrong and very slippery slope because because we didn't do anything to warrant what Christ did. We did nothing to warrant what what God provides for us through His Son, and yet He does it anyway um, because we need it and and because that is that is his joy to as, do for us as churches as congregations we have a tendency to look to be so focused inward oh we can Absolutely. that we don't we don't look at what's going on on the outside uh many of our congregations in our in our wonderful our, our wonderful wisconsin synod because of pastor shortage are being asked to consider changes uh, different ways of looking at things, uh, approaches at ministry, maybe even different alignments in parish for what's the good of the ministry. Um, our first reaction is always going to be what's best for us. I would come to say that that's something that is, is natural, but trying to get back, get away from that attitude, what's best for us to what's best for the kingdom and then trying to figure out what is actually best for the kingdom. Right. And try to separate your own wants and needs yes. uh, or wants and desires, I should say, uh, from confusing that with this is going to be better for the kingdom. And then dealing with what was, re what is reality, what can actually be, be dealt with compromise changed and what in reality probably isn't going to happen immediately. Well, and also realize, and this is another one of those areas, and, 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 and this actually is a good, is a, is a good lead-in because uh, starting in verse 12, Paul's going to talk about this, realizing that, that even though we are sanctified, right? We're set apart, we're washed clean, we are, we are better because of what Christ has done for us and claimed us and, and through his spirit worked in us. There's that sinful nature that still is running amok inside of us. And, and we, even when we are like um, dealing with these other Christian churches and we're dealing with other Christian people and, and we come up with this idea or this question of um, can we do this, whatever it is, or can we combine these churches in these certain ways or can we work with these other people? And we always might come down to the fact, well, it might be better for the kingdom, right? Um, we, we, we are running out of pastors. We have a shortage of pastors in certain areas. And so if we get one pastor to take on more congregations, it's going to be better for the kingdom because they're going to be filled and they're going to have their, um, um, 
be able to, to, to have their regular worship, regular pastor, all these different congregations. But sometimes we have to take into consideration and say, you know, there's that sinful nature that still is, is rearing its ugly head deep inside of us. Um, that, that, that deep down there is this um, part of us that doesn't like uh, to work on things or handle things the way it should. And there are some times where that sinful nature has to be taken into consideration, uh, especially when you have congregations who societally or community-wise, they don't like each other. And so we have to to really play into this idea that that even though it might be best for the kingdom to have something happen, it might not be best for the kingdom, right, to to have this or these congregations work together because they're just not going to be able to get over their own sinful natures um, or their sinful natures are going to be a little out of control. And because of that, it's going to be it's going to cause more harm to the the kingdom than than what it would solve. And I think he leads into that when he 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 continues to talk as he he leads from this wonderful um, confession of who Christ is. He then says, you know, then dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only when I was with you, but also uh, now much more in my absence, continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This is this idea of sanctification, working with the reality that we're still sinners in need of salvation, and we're still we we got to work on this. This is not an easy thing for us to do. Um, and the encouragement: do everything without complaint. Do it without arguing. Um, good luck with that. And, you know that's that's part of our sinful nature, and 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 we have to combat it. You know, in our pastor's study that we've been participating in this morning, we were talking about uh, uh, sometimes you're looking at generational divides. And I see that I, I, I see that in, in at different levels in the different churches I've served at, some minor, some very major, um, where you see, I would give, I'll throw out one example for you to begin with. Uh, uh, and usually it, it, and it's in... in most of the times, it's not even stuff that's over ministry. What I'm talking about, whether it's evangelism, member retention, Bible class, pe- preaching, teaching, or whatever, usually this is just stuff that it's it's it, it has to do with the with the grounds. For one example, the church I had, one church I previously served at, um, yeah the. And, and again, the, the church building was probably at that time, probably around 50 years old. Uh, it was built by my parents' generation. Um, they took pride in it, a lot of work. You know, they were the ones who, you know, contributed to it, paid for it, all of that. The younger generation, which the older, which the older generation wanted to take over, wanted them to take over you know, wanted them to, you know, teach Sunday school, take over the leadership positions, but we still want to pull the strings. The younger generation, well, they, 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 they took over, but when they're looking at the building and saw, we want to make some improvements. The older generation lost their minds because they considered it as an affront to them and what they had built and what they had worked for. And it wouldn't even talk about it. 
Um, it was something for in the 20 years plus years that I was there, spent the last 10 years of my ministry there. It was it was always something that came up. I would like to ask my successors, my my successor that was there, what he did. Actually, he was there for four years and those changes, beautiful, beautiful changes came about. I would, I'm just, I'm kind of curious what brought the unity of the minds. Well, and, and, and you might not, you might not ever know what brings those unity of minds, but, but the idea of how, when they do come together, how those two generations shine, right? And and I think this is the part that, that Paul is really highlighting is, yeah, there's going to be differences. Our sinful natures are going to run amok. Let's remember Christ. Remember uh, what he has done, what he has made us, what he continues to do in forgiving us. Where, Why are we here gathering? What's the point? And as we work through these issues, we end up shining brighter than the world. We we are a light shining into the world that, that can't work through these issues. I, I don't want to make this a political rant, and so I'm not going to, but I'm just going to say we see it today. A lot of partisan things that are being pushed through. No one's coming to the table to work. No one's coming to the table to talk. No one's coming to the table to 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 express what is going to be for the betterment of the country. Well, guess what happens when that happens in the church? When that happens in the church, where 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 people like you said just drag their heels and say, "Absolutely not," because this is the way it's always been, and this is what it's always going to be, and this is how it's always going to be, and and what we've always been doing. If if it's not serving the ministry today, like it did then, then it needs to be talked about. And I'm not saying it needs to be changed. I'm not saying that because maybe it won't, but it needs to be talked about. And and. You're dealing with that right now in, in this. And how do we, in in the light of Christ, shine into the world as the lights were supposed to be? You know, you're, you you have a congregation, one I just left, that's been in vacancy since I left. They're they're struggling. We want a pastor. Um, there's been tossing around. How do we make this happen, right? And and one of the things that's been tossing around is, do you become their pastor? And but but to do that, there's other shifts that have to take place within the entire circuit. The question is, is that the most beneficial? And I'm not saying that's not something you talk about. You know that it's something you talk about, but that doesn't mean that it's something that's going to go through. Um, not because it's not a, a, a bad thing, or not because it's a good thing. It's because maybe this isn't the right time. Maybe it's not motivated by the right way. Um, but, but this is this, this idea of harmony that comes in throughout chapter two, I see is really, how do we as Christians work through these things and, and where do we find the guidance to do it? Um, and, and the answer is found in Christ that, that really the guidance we find in working together, the desire we have to work together is found in Christ because let's face it. And, and maybe you would agree with me, maybe you wouldn't. Half the people, maybe more than half the people that we serve in our congregations and that work with us in our congregations, we never would interact with if it wasn't for church. If it, if it wasn't for the body of Christ, if it wasn't for the forgiveness that is offered there and the common theme that runs through our lives because of who Christ is, I would never interact with those people. Am, am I the only one in thinking that? 
I don't think it's always at the forefront of one's mind, but no, you're not. So, I, I mean, the fact that I am willing to come to the table and talk with them comes from the fact that I am doing what's best for the ministry because what's best for the ministry is that the body of Christ works together um, because I wouldn't even be willing to come and talk or, or, or even be here if it wasn't for the body of Christ um, that we are a part of. And I think sometimes that's, our, that's where we have to start, and of course that's where we end um, in the body of Christ as, as one. Um, but man, what a, what a part of chapter 2, though, to, to see the, that, that harmony play out in Christ for us um, and, and, and to live in that life together. All right, well, that, unless we have other, uh, other parts to say, that, that kind of brings us to the last half of chapter 2. Um, the EHV entitles it Two Faithful Workers, um, and, and we get sort of a, an introduction to Timothy and uh, Epaphroditus, um, these guys who are, are doing and working alongside uh, Paul. Uh, is there anything that we maybe want to comment on, on uh, that last section of chapter 2? Um, anytime Timothy is mentioned, that's always something that, uh, intrigues me. Timothy, Paul wrote two letters to Timothy in the New Testament. Timothy was a young pastor, um, uh, that again was near and dear to Paul, probably learned, um, probably learned right at the feet of Paul. Um, Paul calls him his son in the faith in in first timothy um and uh and and you know and timothy had quite uh quite a supportive uh a supportive role in in paul's ministry i think maybe what what intrigues me more about timothy and it's really not even in need not even dealt with in this in this letter is Little bit of silence that broke up on the on the channel. We had a technical difficulty here, and I apologize for those listening. As as we're talking about Timothy, maybe we can get him back on, um, hopefully here, and see why we lost our connection um let's see what we can do now it looks like the whole connection went down well we might not be able to get him back uh hopefully we will be able to to get him back but i know that as we talked about uh second timothy here um or second philippians the second chapter of Philippians, uh, Timothy is brought up. I would love to hear what Pastor Winsberger has to say uh, about Timothy as we have opportunity, uh, but we may have lost the connection and not able to get him back. And if that's the case, then, you know, we, we will probably have to revisit the show um, and and hopefully have an opportunity uh, to hear what has, has been said. Um, but until then... Um, we are going to see if we have, try one more time to get him back and then, uh, see if we're able to do that. But the internet has gone down and 
unfortunately, um, when you work with technology, sometimes that is what happens. And so um, looking at it, I'm not going to be able to get him back. Um, we'll have to end the show where we are at. And I hope that you will read the rest of chapter two. Take a look at Timothy. Take a look at uh, Epaphroditus, um, the co-workers of Christ, um, uh, co-workers with Paul uh, in Christ, and how they help his ministry. And uh, we'll get this posted. And thank you for listening, and have yourselves a very blessed, blessed day.